It was the dawn of the meditation revolution, a time when spiritual masters from the East came to the West to share their teachings and their ecstasy. What was it like to live with the legendary Kundalini master Baba Muktananda in his ashram in the early 70s? Here is a gripping first-hand account by one of his closest Western disciples. Get ready for a spiritual journey like no other. Buy your copy of Ganeshpuri Days, Memoirs of a Western Yogi by Swami Shankarinanda at ganeshpuridays.com. That's G-A-N-E-S-H-P-U-R-I days.com. Hello, everyone. <clears throat> Welcome. Very uh, vibrant atmosphere tonight. And that's because of the intensive coming up. So, <clears throat> as always, I like to welcome you as Baba did by saying in Hindi, Sabko Barisan Mane Kesat Prem Sehadik Swagat. With great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And he would always say that's the essence of spirituality to welcome another person with all your heart. And the first part of that is to welcome yourself first with love instead of self-hatred. So in that spirit, I want to welcome you all. And as uh, Nilavati said, <clears throat> uh, it's always a very special night before the intensive because the intensive is so special. And uh, back uh, in the days when Baba had me out in Ann Arbor and later Los Angeles and later Australia uh, teaching in various ashrams, he always told me to hold intensives. And he said, every time I saw him, he wouldn't say, hello, how are you? He'd say, are you holding intensives? I got a complex about it and a trauma. <clears throat> I said, don't you love me at all? Hold intensives, he said. But anyway, uh, so it's always exciting for me to hold intensive because uh, I feel his presence very closely. So tomorrow we have our intensive. And the night before intensive, I always uh, dip into Baba's teachings and our, uh, his various teachings uh, tonight, mostly from my days with him in Ganeshpuri in the early 70s, but a few other things thrown in. First, let's see some images. Oh. <clears throat> now, that's, that's Baba during a question-answer session. When we first got to the ashram, they didn't, nobody explained anything. You just had to do the program all day long, chanting, working, meditating, all kinds of things. <clears throat> but nobody explained anything. And uh, we'd come from you know, our cognitive lives in the West, and we had no idea what was going on. So finally, he, he took pity and, and began to, to have question-answer sessions. And this is what he looked like. It, when it was hot summer, uh, this is him doing a question-answer session in his room. And we sit down the corridor from him and ask him questions, and he'd be answering. It's a tremendous picture, isn't it? Yeah, next. Uh, this is Baba in the West, you can see, because he's dressed in his gentleman suit. This is a few years later. Notice that he has a mala in his right hand which he usually did as, a, as an example so that everyone would be inspired to say the mantra. 
that's it. It could very well be Miami, yeah. I agree with you. <coughs> next, next. Oh. And Baba during a chant, ecstatic chant, somewhere in uh, in the West also. Is that it? Okay, great. Now, can you quickly provide a picture of Bhagwan Nityananda? Yes. No, no, never mind. There's Bhagwan Nityananda right there, <laughs> the statue, because I'm going to begin with uh, Bhagwan Nityananda. Bhagwan Nityananda, of course, is Baba's guru. He's uh, <clears throat> he's the sage of Ganeshpuri, and this is one of his teachings. He spoke in a very enigmatic and aphoristic manner, and this is from Bhagwan Nityananda. He said, "Fire has spread itself everywhere. It is the highest of all." It is essential to all creation. First realize yourself, then impart to others. Now what exactly is the connection? Who knows, we'll see. First realize yourself, then impart to others. This is the highest duty. Isn't that interesting? The highest duty is to realize yourself and then impart it, share it with others. He says, when you're hungry, Realize that others also feel hunger. When you're in pain, realize that others also feel pain. What is your goal is also the goal of others. So have sympathy, have empathy, have compassion. Everyone is the same. The doctor knows a remedy but does not reveal it before his death. It is lost with, if a doctor knows a remedy, and doesn't reveal it before his death, it is lost with him. <clears throat> he who does not know the way to self-realization is no man. It's the highest duty, to know the self. is the duty of every human being. And if you haven't walked the path, tried to know the self, uh, in some way your life is wasted. It's the importance of self-knowledge. Of all ways of knowledge, Bhagavan Nityananda says, self-realization is the highest. This self-realization should be made known to all people. Whatever you understand, share that. Those who are hungry must be fed. No one seeks knowledge of the one without discriminative power. No one seeks that truth unless it's their time to seek that truth. One day you're completely oblivious to it, next day it becomes the consuming passion of your life. You never can tell when that might happen. So that's Bhagwan Nityananda. I like this line, first realize yourself, then impart it to others. This is the highest duty. <clears throat> okay, so Baba. This is from my time with Baba in Ganeshpur, and as I said, we used to have these question-answer sessions, and we'd file into his rooms, because we didn't have that many people enough. It was big enough in his little room to sit down the corridor and uh, hear from him. Later on, as people, as it grew, because people heard about him in the West, and they uh, came to India, uh, we had these sessions outside. But for the first couple of years, it was in his room, <clears throat> Barry, Barry was uh, 
Barry was an American seeker, lived in the dormitory with me. He says, sometimes while meditating, I have the feeling that the right side of my body is illuminated and glowing while the left side is dark. What does that indicate? <coughs> Baba says, that's reminded, I'm reminded of uh, uh, back in Ann Arbor, we had a student there who had, you remember, Joseph? He always said one side of his body had all these problems, yeah. Anyway, Baba says, this won't happen because during meditation, both sides of the body become equally pure and both are illuminated. The difference you find now is due to some impurity of the mind. When you rise to the highest state of meditation, you'll be able to see that divine light pervades all parts of the body equally. The present experience is due to your imperfect understanding. Baba was not pulling punches. <clears throat> divine radiance spreads through the whole of the body, and it's only because of this radiance that the different parts of the body are able to carry out their functions. After the inner Shakti is awakened, through Shaktipat, her light spreads through the entire body, and in that state you'll find that whichever part of your body you happen to look at is radiant and glowing. This is, all, is the reason I always emphasize that the human body is holy, that the human body is a divine temple. You realize its sanctity only when you're in such a state. I can't resist doing a dharana on that. There's some wonderful lines in there. <clears throat> Let's see. After the inner shakti is awakened, her light spreads through the entire body. Okay, let's just meditate on that. Close your eyes and imagine the light of consciousness, the light of the self, the light of spirit permeating your whole body. Meditate on that just for 30 seconds or so. Okay, let's open our eyes. Pretty good, no? <clears throat> Baba says, Eknat Maharaj said truly, it is not only the mind and heart that are purified by chanting, but even the body is so purified by chanting that it acquires divine luster and it begins to glow and sparkle. Baba says, it's not just one part of the body that's filled with divine light, it's the entire body. Only as long as you do not fully realize your humanity do you remain in darkness. The moment you become a true human being, all that darkness vanishes and what is left is pure light. A sage has said, so great is the power of meditation that even if your body were a mountain of filth and sin, all its filth and sin would be burnt away in the fire of meditation and your body would turn into pure gold, would turn into pure light. 
Through meditation, all sins will be washed away and you'll become completely pure. It's not that just one side of the body will become illumined while the other remains in darkness. Your entire body will become illumined. You'll be filled with amazement. The great answer, isn't it? <clears throat> Another question. This was in August of 1972. And the question is, Sean. Sean was uh, a good friend of ours from Los Angeles. <clears throat> and he was a young kid. He was about 18. Actually, I remember when he came uh, to Baba, came, he was traveling overland with another guy. And they came overland through Pakistan, Afghanistan, Pakistan, to India. And um, <laughs> he was very uh, brash youth. And he went up to Baba with the other guy, and then he said, <coughs> Baba, he said, he said, I want to attain self-realization, he said to Baba. And Baba laughed, he says, how old are you? He said, 18. And Baba said, why aren't you in school? <laughs> I, I watched that happen. I, he was very crestfallen, but he stayed on for a long time. <coughs> Sean. Sometimes I find myself to be my own worst enemy. How can I overcome this tendency? A lot of times we're our own worst enemy. Baba says, yes, the Lord says in the Gita, that's the Bhagavad Gita, one is one's own friend and one is one's own enemy. And this is completely true. Nobody else can be either your friend or your enemy. It is you yourself who are the cause of your own progress or downfall. Unfortunately, you begin to hold others responsible for it. In the Mahabharata, there's a very important dialogue between Krishna and Duryodhana. Duryodhana is the villain of the piece. And Krishna, of course, is the great hero, the divine hero. <clears throat> Where it is said that nobody else can give you either happiness or sorrow. If you feel that somebody else is causing you sorrow, you're deluding yourself. Similarly, if you feel that somebody else is giving you happiness, again, you're deluding yourself. It is foolish to think that somebody else is causing you happiness or pain. You suffer the consequences of your own actions. The poet Saint Krishna Sutta says, man has become his own worst enemy. Nobody else is his enemy. He never bothers to find out why he's coming to this world, where he's going, and where he should go, what he's doing, and what he should do. By not concerning himself with these questions, he remains blind. And it's this blindness which is his worst enemy. So he's saying we have to turn to the spiritual quest and understand it. And the other part of it is what they called in the landmark forum, they called taking responsibility. And spiritually, there's a moment when you understand that you have to take responsibility for yourself, for your own experience of life. If your life is miserable, you take responsibility and say, it's miserable because of the way I'm looking at things. And I can change my vision and my life will not be miserable. And that I blame other people, I blame circumstances, but actually it's my own choice, and I can empower myself. I don't have to join an organization to be empowered. I don't have to scream and yell. 
I have to empower myself by taking responsibility for my life, transforming the way I look at things, transforming my understanding. <clears throat> then I can turn what was sorrow into happiness and what was paranoia into joy and fulfillment. And we that's the spiritual path, is to take full responsibility. So Baba says, <clears throat> this tendency can be overcome by contemplation of the self, by right thinking, by thinking about the fundamental question, fundamental questions, who am I? Why have I come here? What is my duty? What should I do? What should I avoid? How can I achieve the highest good? What should I avoid in order to escape a downfall? It is about engaging oneself in these questions that one can cease to be one's own enemy. So these are the most profound questions of human life. Normally in human life we think, how am I going to get through today? How can I make a buck? How can I impress that person? And we just think about mundane things. But Bob is saying we should also give ourselves to profound questions. What's the meaning of life? Who am I? Who am I essentially? Baba says, therefore, a man should take himself across the ocean of change. The ocean of change. They always use this metaphor of the ocean, traveling across the ocean of change. Change is the mundane world. And to travel across the ocean means to come to that which is eternal, that which is always true, and that which is always of the self. He should transcend body consciousness by right thought, by studying the scriptures, and, be find, and by finding the truth of the self through meditation. Who comes to know his own inner self directly through meditation? The inner self which is shining as pure knowledge, as pure consciousness in the heart, he is his own best friend. So what the sages say is that this self shines equally within every one of us. And all we have to do to find it is have the desire to do it, to turn to it, make that decision to turn to that self that's within. At first we think, where the, is this? I can't find anything. There's all darkness within. I can't find that. But when we work with it and spend some time, give it some attention. I mean, you can't even learn French without working hard at it. It's, uh, there's hardly any, there's no art or science that doesn't take some work. But this is the highest of all arts, as Baba says, to know the self. And gradually you start to make progress and you discover there's a divine light, a divine love, a divine peace within every person. <clears throat> After taking birth in this world, a person should think about what he's done, what he's been born for, and where he has to go, and what he has to achieve in the course of his brief existence. You should be able to expel the various passions which keep arising and subsiding inside and make friends with your own self. Begin to value your own self. Know it. Remain aware of it. Then you'll be your own best friend, and you will cross the ocean of the world. Okay, here's a little dharna. Say hello to your own self, all right? Close your eyes. 
Say hello, self. Hello, self. You know how Seinfeld would always say hello? Hello, Newman. <laughs> with, with disgust. Hello, Newman. But you don't say that to the self. You say, hello, self. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> okay, a couple more. How are we doing? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Question. What happens after a soul is liberated? Baba says, after you become liberated, you become aware that everything is only consciousness. Then you see everything in the world as pure. We can take it that Baba is describing his own state, the state of a great being. That everything is consciousness, everything is pure. All the hopes that you put in outer things are fulfilled inside. That which we sought in all these pursuits of life, the key was always within us. Then you revel in the self, you delight in the self, you are friends with the self, you find fulfillment and contentment only in the self, and you attain total freedom. Then you begin to see that everything is as you are. The world is as you see it. <clears throat> Question. Does self-realization mean that you have no ego at all? Or that you are not affected by whatever ego you do have? What's the answer to that? <laughs> Baba says, even when you realize the self, the ego doesn't leave you. It stays but the quality of the ego changes. Before you realize the self, you identify with whatever you have and whatever you are. You think, I'm a woman, I have children, I have a husband, I am a writer. Once you realize the self, you experience, I am the truth, I am the self, I am happiness, I have merged into God. So the quality of ego changes once you've realized the self. You could also say that your identification changes, that on the level of personhood, we identify with our social role, our sex, our country, our role, our profession, and so many other things we identify with. But we still have those identities, but we also have a deeper identity. We identify with the self, with consciousness, with the highest. And because of that, we can tap the joy that's within us. <clears throat> Last one, but this is a good one. This is a great uh, question on the mind. A wonderful question on the mind. Very good for the night before an intensive. <clears throat> Dan. Dan. Dan was... Uh, Another American guy from California. <laughs> I'm remembering him now. Uh, Dan said, I would like to become more calm. I just occurred to me, it could be another Dan who visited here, Dan Holman. Did he come here? Yeah, that's another Dan. That's several Dans. <clears throat> well, I'm going to stop the program now until I figure out which Dan it was. <laughs> Anyway, Dan, I'd like to become more calm 
and increase my memory and concentration. Can this be done? Be calm, increase my memory and concentration. And what do you think Bob will say? Take acid, man. <laughs> Meditate, right? Okay, let's see. That's my that's my guess. <laughs> Baba, he says, the more your mind is freed from its obsession with thoughts or objects, the more it's filled with peace. The more detached your mind stays, the closer it stays to the inner self. The sharper your power of memory will be. When your mind becomes one-pointed, you receive great inspiration from within. Poetry or some other great writing may spring from within, or great bliss may bubble up. Therefore, learn to keep your mind focused on the inner self. Or select any name of God, any mantra, and repeat it constantly without a break. There is such power in the mantra that it will make your mind strong, it will improve your memory. <clears throat> Not only that, it will increase the vigor of your mind, it will fill it with great inspiration. It was a result of this inner divine inspiration that the ancient sages could compose such monumental works that it's not even possible for one person to read all the writings of even one of them. So he's really saying that it's the care and feeding of the mind that's crucial. The mind is so important, the mind is so essential that when we dissipate the mind with all these kinds of thoughts, the worst kind of thoughts is tearing thoughts, thoughts of self-hatred, thoughts of, of putting ourselves down, of doubt, and, and, and so on. <clears throat> we lose energy. When the mind goes in those negative directions, the whole being loses energy. But when the mind becomes one-pointed and strong, we enhance and grow energy. Baba says, the mind is the most important thing. Your happiness and sorrow depend entirely upon it. You could be given $10 million, but if your mind is depressed, you'll be depressed. You could be given $1, and if your mind is in ecstasy, you'll be in ecstasy. <clears throat> your mind is the master of your future. You will find out from your own experience that during those moments when your mind is free from thought, when it is not disturbed by worry or anxiety, <clears throat> you experience the most wonderful kind of peace inside. You experience great freshness, great inspiration. Now listen to what he's saying. He's not saying your mind has to be in the thought-free nirvikalpa state. It means the mind is peaceful, peaceful. It's not obsessed by something like worry, obsessed by worry or fear or something. It's just peaceful. And then when you feel that inner peace, then you feel great inspiration and great joy inside. <clears throat> Baba says, if you could understand the true nature of the mind, if you could win the grace of the mind, everything would come to you. And he, started, he was talking about, maybe this is the first time I heard it, 
that phrase, if you win the grace of the mind, really resonated with me. The grace of the mind. What does it mean to win the grace of something? If you win somebody's grace, that means they're kind to you, they're well disposed to you, they like you. If you don't have their grace, no matter what you do, they're not going to please them. You know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> now, what about the mind? To win the grace of the mind is when your own mind thinks well of you. And your own mind's not constantly attacking you. To win the grace of the mind. So there's a very good exercise. You can just say to yourself, oh my mind, go do it. Oh my mind, give me your grace. Oh my mind, think well of me. Oh my mind, be kind to me. Oh my mind, don't judge me all the time. And while you're at it, don't judge others so much either. But be nice, mind. Thank you. Mind's happy when you do that because you mostly ignore it. <clears throat> so when you win the grace of the mind, everything will come to you. Because every power is inherent in the mind. <coughs> Pardon me, I'm sorry. <coughs> <coughs> It is only because you don't understand the nature of the mind, you don't have the grace of the mind, that you are what you are. If you have the grace of the mind, it's not difficult to rise to a divine state. It is only when you're out without the grace of the mind that you're in the state of bondage. So if you want freedom, if you want perfection, win the grace of the mind. Make your mind your dearest beloved. I got to stop for that one. Romance your mind. Oh, my mind, you are my dearest. You've been there thinking the whole life long, giving me bad advice so many times, and some good advice. Oh, I love you, mind. Such a hard worker, I'm acknowledging you now. <coughs> Look after your mind. This is classic. Look after your mind like a miser takes care of each little penny that he has. Do not let your mind wander off among all kinds of thoughts. Watch the mind like a miser. Don't let it go into negativity. I always think, you know, when I was a kid, I used to read the Donald Duck comic books. Do you know that? Do you ever read Donald Duck? Is he uh, still around, Donald? And he had an uncle named Scrooge McDuck. You know what I'm talking about, Scrooge McDuck? Scrooge McDuck had a pool filled with money. And he would dive into the pool. And if there was even one phony clunker in there, he'd hear it. He loved his money so much. So you have to be like Scrooge McDuck with your mind, you know. Don't let any clunkers in there, like a negative thought, a thought of self-hatred. Just be aware of that. He says, look after your mind like that. Keep your mind calm and serene. If you win the grace of the mind, it will not take you long to rise to the highest state. If you win the grace of the mind, there'd be no question of you getting grace from somebody else. You'd be worthy of giving your grace to others. You'd be so full of joy that you would radiate that. 
Keep your mind focused on the inner self. It is only because your mind keeps wandering among external objects, thinking all kinds of thoughts, that has become inert, like that table against the wall. So purify your mind. Love it. Give it all your love and win its grace. Yeah, this was the one that really blew my mind about it. The thought that I could have a relationship with my mind. There was always this thing chattering in there, and I just sort of, I never thought about it. I just listened to it, you know. <clears throat> if you're able to win the grace of your own mind, tremendous powers will be liberated inside you. Omniscience will come, and so many other miraculous powers will arise. All these miraculous powers belong to the mind. If you look after the mind and keep it pure, you will be the master of wonderful powers. If you want to become more calm, if you want to increase your memory or concentration, then you should love your mind absolutely and take utmost care of it. Isn't that fabulous? Fabulous teaching. The best way to care for the mind is to meditate because when the mind dips into the self, it's refreshed. It becomes filled with light and then it thinks the right kind of thoughts. So let's meditate. We'll meditate for 10 minutes. And let's begin with a little salute to the mind, since Baba so eloquently spoke of that. Close your eyes, turn within, and say hello to your mind. And tell my mind, I want to meditate for 10 minutes. Be quiet now. Be still. I really appreciate you. I really haven't paid enough attention appreciated you. I love it when you stay calm and centered and full of loving and noble thoughts and you move out of the anger zone, you move out of the fear zone, you move out of the depression zone and stay in the light and beautiful space of love and space of peace, space of joy. We'll meditate now on the self for 10 minutes. If you like, you can use the mantra, Om Namah Shivaya, and just repeat it to yourself. Use that to focus the mind. So we'll meditate for 10 minutes. Once again, with great love and respect, I welcome you all with all my heart. Sat Maharaj Ki Jai. Let's meditate. 